Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Laura Curran joining us live. It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran on 77 WABC. Welcome back to Cut to the Chase. Yes, I am mourning the Isles loss, but it's not over yet. They have another chance. It's not over till it's over. Uh, I, you know, my husband actually went to the game. I The last couple times I went to the game, they won. So anyway, what are you going to do? So I am really happy to talk to this next guest. His name is John Halpin. He's one of the co-founders of the Substack called The Liberal Patriot. If you don't know what Substack is, don't be embarrassed. It's an online platform for subscription newsletters uh, where writers basically send their work right to your inbox. It's pretty cool. So I subscribed to The Liberal Patriot over a year ago, uh, and I was it, it felt like a very safe space for me because it's right in the sweet spot of where I am politically. Uh, liberal in the old-fashioned sense of the word, uh, all about pluralism, reason, secularism. And I was so excited to see that I'm not alone. Uh, I sort of found uh, a little publication for my tribe. John Halpin, do you hear that a lot? People who are Dems and proud to be Dems, but disillusioned with the way their party is going? Uh, Yeah, we hear that a fair amount. Uh, Thank you for the kind words about uh, the liberal patriot. Yeah, there's... A number of people who don't like the direction of the party or left it a while ago, um, you see this with institutions across the board. People are just displeased with things, and they're looking for some alternative. And, you know, we kind of harken back to the old values of FDR, what we call his, his famous four freedoms, freedom of speech and worship and freedom from want and fear. That's how we think of Americanism and our our love of country and, and the patriotism we think of. So, yeah, we think there are a lot of people – who um, who believe in that. And, you know, we have readers across the spectrum, but they're mostly people like yourself um, who, who are interested in that type of approach. Right. I mean, you do hear there's a certain subset of folks who were once called themselves liberal, but now they've been, quote, red-pilled, and they've gone completely to the other side. But that's not... That's not a lot of us. Some of us are still are still hoping that the Democratic Party can represent us and represent our values. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you saw this most... Clearly, probably with Biden's run. I mean, you remember the the back and forth in the primaries, and it's, it was sort of strange for a while. Like, where's this party going? But mm-hmm. then mainstream Democrats really put Biden over the top. And you know, you can have qualms about some of the things he may have done as, as president on on some things being the party leader. But you know, he's he's from that old ilk as well, right? And it's it's basically what we call pro worker, pro family, pro America politics, right? And that and that's and in our mind, the best of the Democratic Party and the best of American liberalism. So that's what we defend. And, and so we're, we're finding more people want to want to read about this approach. So one of your recent newsletters, I found this very interesting. Uh, you write that a Gallup poll finds 49 percent. It's about half a little tiny, tiny bit less than half of U.S. adults identify as political independents. A quarter each go to folks who call themselves either Republican or Democrat. That is a big middle, and it's getting a lot bigger. 
Yeah, you know, the two parties, the leadership and I think the media ecosystem around them, they just deny this issue. And and the the data is stark. I mean, it used to be uh, more than more than a third of people would identify directly as a Democrat or Republican. It's only a quarter now. Right. And, yeah. and half the country identifies as independent. You force them to make a choice. They basically split both ways and you end up with the country we have, which is sort of bifurcated. But if you dive into these voters, you know, yeah, they may lean, you know, Democratic or liberal in some things, but they may have a mix of opinions. And the current party configurations is a sort of down the line progressive Democratic Party, uh, you know, down the line sort of conservative and it's much more Trumpian Republican Party. And most people just don't fall into that. And so they're looking for alternatives. And we don't really have um, you all have some some fees in voting and things there. We, there aren't really third party options that are viable. It always plays sort of a spoiler role. So I think people are just choosing to identify as I'm not one of those two. I'm something else. And it doesn't mean they wouldn't occasionally pick a Democrat or Republican. Right. Uh, but they're basically telling everybody in, in power, you're not doing a good job representing the complexity of our views. One thing that's interesting that uh, you guys have reported a lot about is that Democrats are losing Hispanic vote and Asian vote. They are looking elsewhere. And these are the demographics that Democrats traditionally maybe take for granted. You know, new immigrants, minorities. Of course, they're going to come to us because we're supporting the little guy. We're supporting the new arrival. We're helping the working man get ahead. You know, why, why do you think why do you think we're losing our mojo there? Yeah, I mean, the. The numbers are real. Uh, I mean, Trump actually improved his vote um, with Hispanic and black voters in the last election. Most people have trouble getting their head around that. It's not mm-hmm. a huge gain, but it was some gain. Most of the talk in politics for many years was the Democrats losing white working class voters, which is still real. Yeah, uh, It's regionally divided. But now it turns out that on a number of things um, – a lot of cultural issues, but a lot of it was COVID policy, too. So if you look at DeSantis's rise in Florida, uh, you know, he barely wins in 18, but he, he had a huge shift in the last election and picked up a lot of Hispanic voters. And, huge. you know, the evidence we saw was that a lot of people were upset about some dem- the Democrat- Democratic approaches on COVID and things like that. And that, um, you know, that, so that plays into it as well. And, you know, you see the fights in San Francisco or New York over schools, which, um, you know, like how how people are admitted, things of that nature. And, yeah. and so some of these working class communities, which value education, value small business work, are, are, are thinking um, about alternatives. And so, yes, they are leaving. And, you know, these margins matter a lot. It's going to be a handful of states of 24. And the Hispanic vote in Arizona will matter. Um you know, if you lose some of the black vote or, you know, you get declining turnout in places like Wisconsin uh, or Michigan or, or Pennsylvania, it's not hard to see your Republican winning. So, yeah, the Democrats need to take this seriously. It's not just you're losing white working class voters. You're losing ground with all of them. Mm-hmm. And, they, you know, you can't just replace them with hyper educated white elites. Right. They, yeah. This is the, it's not this a winning strategy. Circle. Yeah, it's causing the problem. So the values of the overeducated kind of college uh, college elites in the Democratic Party kind of repel some working class voters of all stripes. And you see the divisions we have today. I'm Laura Curran. I'm talking to the liberal, liberal patriots John Halpin, and you're listening to Cut to the Chase on 77 WABC. You had an interesting column. I can't remember who wrote it uh, for the liberal patriot recently about 
how the working class is just not excited about green energy and, you know, climate change mm-hmm. crusading. And it's actually a bit of a turnoff. Why is that for the working yeah, this class? Is my, this is my uh, uh, colleague and friend, Rui Tashiro, who wrote this. And he's written a lot about the, the challenges of working class voters. I mean, the, it's not hard to imagine why you know, normal working middle-class Americans might have, uh, might not be completely down with the, the climate policies yeah. of the democratic left, right? They mostly won't need cheap available energy, right? And if, if you are for that, they'll be with you. If you frame everything as fighting climate change, which is an important goal, that's not really what they're for. So the appeal of electric vehicles isn't there yet. It's kind of complicated to take advantage of some of these tax credits. Um, they mostly aren't willing, because of inflation, to pay any more for energy. And the idea uh, that we're seeing in the data there is that working class voters look at this and say, wow, these these climate policies look like it just means expensive energy. So mm-hmm. if you don't take the transition part, like how do you get to uh, cleaner sources of energy and, and energy independence for the whole country. How do you do it in a way uh, that doesn't break the bank? Because if not, you'll lose everybody politically. I mean, so true. You know, and that, the- that transition is so important. And that's something that really gets lost in the political conversation because it's, it, it's a real operational feat to make that mm-hmm. transition so that you're not over relying on the new one before the infrastructure is ready to accommodate it. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think Biden, to his credit, has, has, has sort of talked about it, all of the above mix and the more moderate Democrats have. I mean, you can't go immediately to uh, all clean forms of energy. We don't have the transmission lines. It's We're not, not set up to do it yet. And, you know, and people also are, are used to natural gas and, and, and they like their, their cars. So you have to think about what people actually want and browbeating them to accept mm-hmm. a change won't work. It has to be financially viable and something they can believe in. So. Yes, agreed. Uh, and I find a lot of politicians are in the business of telling people what they think they should want and then shaming and blaming them when they actually say, no, I don't want that. Um, it's it's an important insight. That's why it is so independence. Yeah, absolutely. So you had a recent newsletter that I found really interesting. It cited a poll that uh, is, this is about the media now and what the media plays uh-huh. too much, pays too much attention to. So most Americans think the media focuses too much on things like celebrities, Trump's legal dramas, transgender issues, quote-unquote wokeness, and not enough on things like corruption, housing and homelessness, mental health, inflation, border security, social media, uh, sort of kind of like they're focusing too much on the easy things and not enough on the hard things that actually affect people's lives much more intimately. However, this yeah. is this is my question to you, John Halpin of the Liberal Patriot, that people are the, the media companies are getting rewarded because they're getting the clicks and the advertising dollars when they talk about these things that people say they don't want. Are they are they lying to the pollsters or are they just trying to sound like they're more uh, serious than they really are? No, I don't think they're lying. I mean, it, you know, you see it in multiple areas. I thought that uh, those data were fascinating. Yeah. I, I think what it's telling you is that they think po- modern politics, to, you know, to get back to the independence thing, is not dealing with the nation's biggest problems and their own biggest problems. They hear kind of politics as entertainment, politics as performance art. Mm. And it's not that they don't react to it. I mean, you know, stories involving Trump or some scandal or something else tend to draw eyes. It doesn't mean they're lying about what they want. 
Um, and, you know, the papers will come back and say, well, you know, we do in-depth stuff on international affairs or housing and nobody reads it. And that may be true. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't mean American democracy is any better off by focusing on this other stuff. And if the voters are telling us, hey, it'd be great if you put aside some of these culture wars and let's deal with the energy transition. Let's deal uh, with the issues on inflation. Um, you know, what's going on with China and Russia? Let's make sure we're all on board on things like this. So I think he, people underestimate um, the sensibility of the American people and mm. our political order in general does. And that's the problem. The media doesn't help for the most part. There's lots of good media covering stuff. You're right. It doesn't get the clicks. Mm-hmm. And then they have to actively choose to be better in some ways, just as politicians have to choose to be better. Yes. And I think people, you know, in these very uncertain times when people, there's a lot of anxiety about growing divisions, people want that reassurance that someone's actually in charge because, you know, politics is in some part performance art. There have always been political stunts. You know, you got to make a brand for yourself. But government plays really important operational roles. You know, the sewage has to run. The bridges have to stay up. We have to have uh, folks keeping us safe here and abroad. These these are really important things. And, I, and, and I'm wondering if this poll reflects that people are feeling anxious that there's nobody really watching the store and operating operating these very important governmental functions. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, if you, if you, uh, if you compare it to data on trust in government institutions, you can see the real problem here. There's a lot. There's a critical lack of public support. Not theoretically for government. They're always saying we need the government to do more. They just don't think it's doing it or doing it right. And so you see these numbers on Congress or the courts or, you know, some of the agencies do quite well, you know, FEMA, other things like that, ones that are, or, you know, the Social Security Administration, things like that. But in general, they don't think the country's leaders are paying attention to the right things mm-hmm. and that the, the political order, particularly Congress, is not functional enough to. To, to handle these problems. And it's true. I mean, every bill basically comes down to some crisis moment at the end and people are like, why can't you sensibly think through this on yeah. an issue by issue basis? Yeah. So, uh, but people haven't given up on the government. In fact, support ideologically for government is as high as it's ever been. It's just the performance measures are, are, are quite low in people's minds and, and people tend to think that state and local governments do better. Um, part of this is just the, you know, the bifurcated nature nature of national politics, uh, and some of it actually is a, a performance issue. So. so I'm speaking with John Halpin, who is a founder and writer for the Liberal Patriot Substack, which I am a loyal reader and subscriber. So, John, with what you're talking about, uh, bifurcated government, uh, I want to end with where we started with this poll. 49% of U.S. adults identify as political independence. Wall Street Journal just came out with something that I read this morning saying a Trump v. Biden matchup is looking ever more likely. Do you think that number in the middle is going to grow because of this? I mean, a lot of people are are holding their noses yeah. when thinking about either of these two guys. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you're exactly right. When people think they're like, please, please spare <laughs> us, you know, can we can we not? And the problem with the U.S. presidential system is it, it's interminable. I mean, why why do we start the presidential election 18 months out? I mean, other democracies can do this fairly quickly. I get their parliamentary systems, but it's like we have to sit through this for another, for two years. And if it's a repeat of Trump and Biden, uh, you know, Americans are wise to sort of just check out until the final three months yeah. and make a decision again. You're not going to learn a lot between now and then. In fact, you'll just you'll just get angry, and you're not. 
um, abdicating your civic duty by doing that, you're being sane and protecting yourself because it's not, you don't learn a lot of that process. So yeah. And a lot of people are nervous about the age of the two yeah. uh, leaders and they want to see some new blood, but um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I guess the best thing is just uh, keep living your life and, and, and try and, and focus on the country's problems and push off presidential politics as long as po- possible because nothing good's going to happen. And there's always lots of local local politics, and I would exactly. I would argue that local politics affects your life much more intimately. John Halpin of the Liberal Patriot Substack, thank you so much. And listeners, I would encourage you to subscribe. It's free and it's always interesting. John, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You got. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.